The lawnmower man had removed his clothes. Every stitch. They were folded neatly in the empty bird bath that was at the center of the back lawn. Naked and grass-stained, he was crawling along about five feet behind the mower, eating the cut grass. Green juice ran down his chin and dripped onto his pendulous belly. And every time the lawnmower whirled around a corner, he rose and did an odd skipping jump before prostrating himself again. (coughs) Stop! Harold Parquette screamed. Stop that! But the lawnmower man took no notice, and his screaming scarlet familiar never slowed. If anything, it seemed to speed up. Its dick's steel grill seemed to grin sweatily at Harold as it raved by. Then Harold saw the mole. It must have been hiding in stunned terror just ahead of the mower in the swath of grass about to be slaughtered. It bolted across the cut band of lawn toward safety under the porch, a panicky brown streak. The lawn mower <laughs> swerved. Blatting and howling, it roared over the mole and spat it out in a string of fur and entrails that reminded Harold of the smith's cat. The mole destroyed. The lawnmower rushed back to the main job. The lawnmower man crawled rapidly by, eating grass. Harold stood paralyzed with horror, stocks, bonds, and bison burgers completely forgotten. He could actually see that huge pendulous belly expanding. The lawnmower man swerved and ate the mole. That was when Harold Parquette leaned out the screen door and vomited into the zinnias. The world went gray, and suddenly he realized he was fainting, had fainted. He collapsed backward onto the porch and closed his eyes. <laughs> that is from Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man. Jim, uh-huh. <laughs> explain yourself. Split Tooth Media and the Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, 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 king. Yeah, no, so I've been working on uh, setting up that and, uh, you know, exactly how I want to do it. Taking a lot of inspiration from uh, Linda Berry lately. I don't know if you've looked at her stuff or read. Have you Have you read, like, Syllabus or uh, what it is? And picture this. You should read both of those. Those are, uh, she has just some some amazing insights. You know, just just in, in art production in period. Just sort of I think, humanity I think. and I've existence. Been, Oh, God, yeah, yeah, I've just been enamored of her stuff. Jim, are you doing a podcast with another man? (laughs) Oh, my God, is that my father? (laughs) Hello, I'm Jason's father. I'm responsible for this mess. (laughs) And talking about responsibilities for anything, Jim, why the hell are you insisting that we review this particular film? (laughs) This has nothing to do with Stephen King, except for a lawsuit. (laughs) And the untimely, you know, you know, loss of rights to a story. 
never, that was never used in production of the film. <laughs> so go ahead, explain yourself. Well, you're, you're I'm being, listening. <laughs> you you are being 500 times as loud as during the sound test. So I'm gonna move the microphone back down to the ground. Do I need to walk away? No, no, you're fine. During the sound test, he stood here and he was very calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just gonna move it down here, okay? And then you can make Jim explain himself. Well, listen, that was just the hi- the height of it right there. I think I'll be very calm and sedate from now on. Oh, sure, yeah. Because <laughs> there's nothing you guys will say that will upset me whatsoever. <laughs> Someone's hacking the mainframe from the outside. They're in, and they're running a computer virus that's placing triple key encryption codes on all outside access and network connections. What the fuck does that mean? My real my real excuse yes. for this whole for this whole shenanigan gem is that yeah. is that I was born dumb. <laughs> I was born dead. I'm, I'm glad to see you haven't changed. Um, of upholding the fine fine standards that you set. Over did you did you guys find the sh- the short film version of this online? And when I say this, I mean of Lawnmower the Man, short- the story, the short Stephen King story. Do, you, oh, do no. you just mean the theatrical version of this film versus the director's cut that's an hour longer? No, I mean the 1987 <laughs> short film, also called The Lawnmower Man, that's based on the short story, The Lawnmower Man. No, no, mm-hmm. never heard of it. You, check it out. Uh, I watched that, and it's okay. way worse. It's like 12 minutes long, and if that passage is the story, it is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I remember I watched this film back when it first came oh, out. Oh, really? And despised it. Yeah, uh, because, because I thought, thought it was, was going to be, a going to be based. Movie. Yeah, well, I read the story, <laughs> sure. but it's been like forty years since I read the story, so I'm going like, you know, I remember, I remember enough of it at the time when, when this movie came out, which is what ninety two, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Uh, I just thought, uh, this has nothing to do whatsoever with the Stephen King story, which was born to fruit when he sued to have his name taken off of it. Sure, sure. So, it becomes apparent at that point. <laughs> but they did throw in all these little things that referenced other yeah. King movies. Yes. Well, that's what... You know? Because uh, it's like the they're explicitly working for the shop, right? Which is... Yes, right. Which yeah, is at least yeah. where... Uh, uh, Firestarter. Yeah, Firestarter. Firestarter. I mean, Firestarter. Firestarter. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of references that they put in, but I, it yeah. is interesting because you definitely uh, raked me over the coals based <laughs> on the fact that Stephen King's name did not appear in the credits of The Devil's Gift. <laughs> well, and I will say, at least on current video versions of The Lawnmower Man, his name does not appear there either. <laughs> well, it did originally, Jason. It did originally. <laughs> It's true, he had to sue yes, them twice. Illegally. Yeah. Yes, they did sue him twice, yes. We should start doing that with people. We should start making terrible films and being like, based on Agatha Christie. Yeah. She can't sue us, yeah. she's dead. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to say about this one, though, it seemed that it was more of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a later adaptation of the film Charlie, which was based on Flowers for Al- sure. Algernon, Daniel Keyes. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to have more in common with that than it did with anything that Stephen King ever wrote. That crossed over with some sort of Lovecraftian, uh, yeah. you know, elder world uh, type of thing. Because he moves into this whole thing like the outer dark and uh, the Cthulhu mythos. And, yeah. Or the, uh, yeah, the Cthulhu mythos. Except and, it's all computers. With that, so. it's yeah, all, yeah, it's all computers. Yeah, it's a, a, high, a high-tech. Specifically yeah, high-tech. 1992 yeah. Yeah. High- digital animation yeah. computers. Yeah. Well, yeah. so Jason, that's what I, that was, great, I was excited about. Do you remember when we watched uh, Children of the Corn? And there was uh-huh. the monster in that is is pixels that float in the air. In this movie, yeah, it's, it's the basically same. just a digital effect. It, but in this movie, it's explicitly that they want it to be that. 
You know, because yeah. 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 this is from that same era where we're sort of on the cusp of of early digital effects and and really nice practical effects and most of the movies i feel like in this era that blend the two are upsetting like lord of illusions i think we've talked about that before where it's sometimes things are practical and they're beautiful and sometimes things are digital and they're just really unpleasant to look at but in this movie the digital things are they look how they're supposed to look and then you know when they like need blisters on his hands or uh or or a miniature building to explode they do it practically and it's super nice i thought (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I thought it was very nice. Well, I liked it too because the uh, simpler, more you know, primitive uh, you know effects, you know, digital effects. I don't even know if you could call it CGI at this point sure. in time. But, you could uh, because all that means yeah. is computer generated yeah. imagery. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess so. Yeah, it's yeah. not the way we use it now, but, really. But it no, is it's not the way you use it now. Animation. But it's, it's more akin to uh, you know the stop motion stuff of like yeah. uh, Harryhausen and uh, yeah. and uh, Willis and stuff like that because. You know, it gives that more dreamlike effect. So I think it was much more effective in that way. I agree. Than a lot of stuff that we have nowadays. Do the, we? This film was kind of bonkers. I kind of it's liked super it the bonkers. second time around. Yeah. yeah. And I know. liked it a lot too. Yeah. Good. I'm glad Do we're we? all just on that. Page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm definitely gonna edit this so that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep like being grumpy at you for a few minutes. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I'll have to eat some crow because this movie is awesome. It is. It's um, it's not Stephen King. We can agree on that. No. It's oh yeah. It's yeah, Stephen yes. King fan fiction for sure. Uh but not possibly great at I don't that. know. It has well because it has those elements, right? It has the shop and it has, I don't know, some other stuff. They they pull some things. Yeah, which was dropped in after the fact on a different script, right? What, that's if what I understand correctly. That's what Jason yeah. says, which makes me wonder yeah. there's so much lawnmower stuff just shoved into it. That, yes. that means if they had made this without trying to make it into a Stephen King project, there wouldn't be like that weird uh, slumber party massacre scene where he kills that kid's dad with a lawnmower, right? Yeah, that, that wouldn't that wasn't in there. Which is so good. I'm that, so glad that they tried to make it. That's actually specifically from that's the one part they took most faithfully from the story is, yeah. is the description of how the lawnmower chases Harold Parquet around the room. It's so and good. And they named that guy Harold Parquet, which is the guy in the He's story. He's the main character in the story. Yeah, J- oh, yeah, and, just, yeah. yeah and that in the one line that what was the line uh, uh out of there about the birdbath? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. When they yeah, when they do his remains, oh yeah, the cops. Yeah, it's the bit of the story cops. where they're like, "Where's the rest of them?" Yeah, and the guy's like, like "Bird bath." That's <laughs> also from the story. Yeah, that's from, yeah, that's from the, yeah, the written work. Yeah. So they took the short story and made it just a background. It's like a sea story. <laughs> yes. In this film. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sort of. What a weird yeah. way to do an adaptation. <laughs> Well, also, it's weird because it completely ch- like I I don't uh, think their original story had a lawnmower in it. Oh yeah. Oh, there's right, and that's yeah. what I'm saying is I'm glad that they decided to shove Lawnmower Man into this because everything everything with the lawnmower is so good. I agree. Well, well, Jason made a point when we were talking about it. At one point, he goes, "Yeah, I think they were just trying to justify using the title Lawnmower yeah. Man so they could make this movie, and so they had to figure out some way." To work that in and then go off this other script that they had already, which was, what was it called? Cyber God? Cyber God. Cyber God or something like that? Yeah. I'm so glad that this wasn't just Cyber God. Cyber God probably would have been good, but this movie is so (laughs) goo-goo bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just eight things shoved together. (laughs) Yeah, you got Charlie, uh, Lawnmower Man, and Cyber God, and you know, it's just like... (laughs) Um... The only thing you didn't have was the regression. <laughs> so it's it's been about 
six or seven <laughs> minutes should we actually start the podcast? <laughs> I believe it's happened, the beginning. Yeah. No, I just meant, like, actually with words. Oh, yo, that's, that's usually right. need... about our... Oh, that's, yes. a, that's about our track record. It's starting about oh. six or seven I, minutes in. Sometimes 20. You can start it now, but you have to start it in the style of Pierce Brosnan recording a sweaty shirtless monologue. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> wait, can we talk for, uh, for a second? We're hi, hi, it's Hell to the King, and we're doing Lawnmower Man because Jim made us because he's dumb, but also it's a good movie. So whatever. Hello, everyone. Um, can we talk about Pierce Brosnan's accent for a minute? Yeah, yeah. Because it's all over the place, <laughs> and I was convinced at the beginning huh, huh. that he also was trying to do a bad man accent. Do you think he a just starts Stephen and then for gives a graveyard up? shift? Do you think that's what happens? That's what it feels like. He but I can't tell. For most of the movie, just has his, I assume, natural British accent. Yeah, most of the time he's just brazening. Yeah. But towards the beginning, it kind of sounds like he's trying to smush his mouth into yeah. something approximating at least an American accent, but like maybe a main accent. But is that also, he's also drinking a lot of whiskey at the beginning? Is that him pretending to be drunk? <laughs> I, I that truly be, don't oh, know. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah. Because he does... His, Seems to be heavy on substance abuse, yes. His, his wife shows up three times in this movie yeah. to yeah. to get mad at him for not bringing him to the city, her to the city, and then to leave him, oh. and then at the very end yeah. of the movie to be a, a robot sim. Uh, and then yeah. the rest of the movie, she's but, gone. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, because there's that thing where they dropped in the, you know, I'm, you know, I'm uh, give up, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah. no, the robot but, sim part. Oh, robot sim. You had the robot sim part. Yes. What was the robot sim? <laughs> what cut? When? Where did you did, get your cut from? Because did, that's did, not in the theatrical cut we watched. Oh, yeah. it's I, only in the director's cut. I watched yeah. the director's She cut. shows up a bunch more. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I've only ever. I've watched this movie maybe four times, and I've only ever watched the extended cut. I've never watched. Oh, you uh, watched the director's cut? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This we is, did not. We watched we the watched theatrical, theatrical cut, so uh, in which the wife yeah. leaves him and yeah. then never but comes they back. They drop in an ADR line of her going, "I give up," in somebody else's voice, and then she never shows up again. Yeah. She leaves, and then he immediately has a conversation with the the guy who the guy who I guess is the main character in the story's wife and I was like oh Pierce Brosnan and that lady with the son because they have the conversation where he's like oh I wish I had a son and she's like well, you can borrow my son anytime and I was like oh they're gonna be married now <laughs> also not in the theatrical cut. oh really oh which was another thing we were watching we were like wow it seems like they have a much closer relationship yes. at the end of the film than yeah. is ever justified yes. in the film yeah because right. at the end yeah he's like give me your car drive me there and yeah, that's like, right. That's why we, we figured something had been going on that did not show up in the film. Okay. That would have been fun. So this is going to be even more of a mess than okay. it would normally be. Because we're, we're talking about movies. two different movies. Yes. Well, here's okay. the thing we can all talk about is uh, Pierce Brosnan's men's casual 1990s fashion, where oh. <laughs> he wears <laughs> giant baggy uh, shirts and then khakis, sometimes khaki shorts, leather jackets, big thick socks, giant boots. What a, what a, what a dream yeah. boy. Exactly. Mostly no shirt. <laughs> Mostly no shirt, most of the time. Um, we can also talk about, we did all oh. see the early scenes with the wife, and I yeah. do want to spend just a second talking about... How mad so this movie's actually city. Let, let's go back all the way take to the beginning. The city, right? Because yeah. this movie has a very strange uh, tonal <laughs> dichotomy right from the get. Yes. Yeah. So just in case anybody's joining us now here, it's been almost 12 minutes. <laughs> you best have watched one more, man, because we're not giving you details. <laughs> <laughs> this is Hell to the King, and we are talking about the Lawnmower Man. Uh, and everyone's me, mad at Jim. And Jim. <laughs> and my dad, Jim Michaelich. Hi, Jim. Say hello to the nice people, Dad. 
Hello, nice people. You don't know they're nice. <laughs> well, he's only I, talking to the nice ones. Oh, yeah. If you're mean, get uh, out of here. I'm, I'm following okay. my stage direction for my son right now. So Jim made me After watch that, this movie, no and so I made my dad watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Even though, as we've established, it's not a Stephen King movie. We're paying Except it, it sort of sometimes is, and we can talk about that it again really later. It really wants to be Jason. Here's the well, thing. It, we it had to watch The Devil's the... Gift, which sort of is, but it's trying so hard to pretend it's not. So I feel like this is a perfect counterpoint of a movie that wants so badly. It, it's Pinocchio real-boying itself into being a Stephen King movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's not based on anything that Stephen King wrote, but it's trying so hard. Well, You're doing also, real good, man. That's that's close to a good justification for this. You, to refine that a little bit more later on. I'll we'll, keep boiling it uh, down. We'll, re- we'll revisit it. Okay. okay. Well, also by the like practices of adaptation in Hollywood, this is not the most extreme. <laughs> Sure. Departure from a source material I've ever read, which is amazing given that it was not originally written from the source material. Right. But they clearly, they went through, you know, they took a pass. I feel like sometimes you get this story of someone had a script and then they just threw another thing's name on it and you get, you know, you get Super Mario 3, right? There's a movie version of that. Not like of Super Mario 3, but there's a better movie example, but that's the one in my brain. Uh, I think you mean Super Mario 2. Sure, Doki Doki Panic, where where none of the details <laughs> connect with the other Mario games, right? And you're like, oh, yeah. this is clearly not. But in this one, they at least took a yeah. pass. Or you get an Exorcist 3. They went through and did a rewrite. Yeah. You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Exorcist 3 is the best Exorcist. I'm not disputing that. But they made them put Exorcist on it. Yeah, well, they do true. that with a Halloween For Blatty, right? Because they were like, we're not going to pay for your dumb movie unless yeah. you... Wow. Yeah, but that was that was no that was intended for the beginning because oh. Carpenter wanted to turn it into a mythology <laughs> series. In the Halloween oh, series, okay. Halloween Two is the goof up because they should have gone straight into making it an anthology. But Carpenter was like, "I didn't make money with Halloween, so I'm just going to make it again." Yeah, <laughs> and get paid this time. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're talking about the Lawnmower Man, <laughs> and this movie opens, Jim. Yeah, this movie opens. Sure does with. One of my favorite things that we've watched, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a chimpanzee mm-hmm. hooked into a virtual reality system yes. in which it is taught to murder people, and then it breaks out and murders people for real, yeah. but still sees everything as if it is in a virtual reality system. Mm-hmm. I could watch video murder chimp yes. for conservatively four straight days. Agreed. You're welcome. <laughs> so it cuts from video murder chimp yeah. to... Pierce Brosnan having domestic troubles? Yes. In some of the worst acted human scenes I've ever seen in my life. And I just want to reserve a moment here. This is really all I was building to. Mm -hmm. A special attention to the wife's line delivery. Yes. The wife who is played by... Uh, I want to give her credit because this line delivery is actually amazing. It is. Colleen Coffey. Colleen Coffey. When she comes down and says... You were supposed to take me to the city. Yes. And Pierce Brosnan says indignantly, well, why didn't you remind me? Yeah. She summons up all the fury within her, gets very quiet, and hisses, I did. (laughs) Yeah. And it is tonally completely in a different universe from anything else in the movie. (laughs) She never is in this movie. She's, no, she's always no, quite in her literally own in the theatrical film. Well, yeah, she is mostly not in it. She's on the cutting room floor, or they just never shot anything with her. But even when she's there, she is on a level that is. Yeah, I mean Pierce Brosnan. I would say I think 
career-wide, Pierce Brosnan is never giving more than 60%. Um, and I feel like he's he's peaking out in this film. He's hitting the maximum amount of, of energy he's ever going to throw down. Um, I might be wrong about that. I haven't watched that much Pierce Brosnan. Uh, but that's the impression that I get. I'd have to think about it more, and I'm not going to. Yeah, don't. Uh, just let my <laughs> let, let my fact be a fact. Um, <laughs> but but I do feel like everyone in this movie is throwing everything they can at the screen. Like Jeff A. Jeff Fahey rubs his eyebrows on the inside of your computer monitor when you watch this movie. <laughs> Jeff Fahey is killing it. He. Um, I don't. He's a famous-ish actor, right? I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. But but he is to the max in this movie. Yeah. He's No, I thought he was amazing. Yeah. He's like I'm going to I'm going to be he's he's functionally at the beginning um he's playing like a like a comedy mentally handicapped character. He's like in a he's in a sketch comedy troupe at the beginning of this. But like with occasional moments of genuine poignance. Yeah. Like, when Pierce Brosnan's trying to convince him, like, oh, you know, sometimes people take advantage of you, don't they? The way he goes, like, they do sometimes, sometimes yeah. they do. You're like, oh, dude. He's he's exactly halfway between uh, an Oscar performance and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings me to another of my notes. Jim, I have a lot of notes. Please. <laughs> um, this is going to be a two-hour-long really, episode. <laughs> I really oh, love the... Uh, cartoonishness with mm-hmm. which almost every character is rendered, yes. including the, the color clothes, scheme in the, the colors, movie. Yes. Yeah, like Jeff oh, yes. Fahey is dressed literally in overalls where yes. one of the, like, he's yes. dressed like Little Abner, yes. but like if Little Abner was into grunge. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. And, and like, everything's red and green mm-hmm. and yellow. Like, there's so much vibrancy oh, to the colors. Yeah, I was going to say, well, that, that also is a bounces back and forth to that dystopian future look and that blues. Oh, yes! Music. They're you know, like two different shop. worlds. It's like, like you're walking into that other world. Yeah. You know? It looks like an episode of Max Headroom. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Looks, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, so, when I was watching bounces this... bounces back and forth between the two. It feels yeah, like, this, yeah, it feels like the, it feels like the shop is out of a super high production value TV show, and the rest of this is a $200,000 film. It's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I don't think it's technically the shop. They call like, it. I that. think we. I think we can call yeah. it the shop. No, they're they're. Oh, the shop they're is the place they go to. Coordinating with yeah. the shop. Yeah. The right. shop is yeah. Dean Norris's giant right, face right, right. on a video monitor. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh, oh, that was amazing. Yes. The the giant face. Yeah, the Big Brother giant face. So at the good. end of Dean the Dean Norris right, in this movie. Like, like, was sitting on the table. Yeah. <laughs> he, playing the Jim. Have you ever watched any of the Breaking Bad? No, I've watched all of the uh, the one with Bob Odenkirk. Uh, Better Call Saul, but I don't think. Yes, yeah. well, I, I mean, I, I'm not asking because I care about Breaking Bad. I actually don't like Breaking Bad at all. No, I'm um, just saying I haven't seen it. Nerds. But if he's in that other show, then I've seen him. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if he's in the other show. Well, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> huh. Huh. Uh, but he is. He plays in the Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. He plays um, the like most shit kickery. Uh, rough and tumble DEA agent who uh, is also the main character's like brother-in-law, and so that's okay. the wacky sitcom tension okay. of like, oh no, I hope my brother-in-law doesn't catch me dealing these drugs. Sure. And he's like, I better, I'm gonna catch the guy dealing these drugs. Hoo ha! Yeah. Um, yes. But he's playing like <laughs> that the was polar... an accurate depiction of what would happen in that film. I watched most yeah, of the first. That's season. the whole show. You, you don't have to watch it now. Yeah. Is that the whole show? 
That's but Bob Odenkirk's in there too sometimes, that, right? That and, That's what and I he's sometimes nastier each season. I understand. I sure. never. I didn't make it past the first season. Yeah, whatever. So. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, but so my only point is that Dean Norris. I did yeah. not understand. I oh, I he was always the best thing in sure. Breaking Bad. Anytime sure. I watched it, um, and I always loved him. But I didn't realize what range he had because he mm. is in this movie playing the polar opposite of that character and doing an amazing job of just very calmly and quietly saying the most psychotic things as a giant face on a video monitor acting to no one yeah yeah that scene where his huge face is behind yes. Tim's agent Tim's, who's pacing back and forth in his yeah. project. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Visually so strong. It's like, uh, uh, Mark it's Mark Bringleson, who's also yeah. really good, which also He's... reminded me somewhat of the Prisoner. You know. Oh yeah. Things yeah. they had in there. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say Bringleson is actually a dude I know. He. Oh. We oh. like we work together on some stuff when I lived in L.A. We're not like we're not friends. We like each other's posts on Instagram once in a while, but. He's a uh, so so. When I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, great, Mark Bringleson. But I didn't know, and I I love every choice he makes. But I didn't know if you guys would, so I wasn't gonna mention. Uh, I love every choice he <laughs> yeah. makes. No, he, yeah. I also thought he got the most terrifying moment of the film when oh, the film yes. becomes a horror film when he turns yeah. into when, floating balls that yeah. never can yeah. heal or float yeah. away. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was truly horrifying, right? Because the other guys right, who get turned into balls into the, just dis- Craftian, uh, yeah. you know, thing I was talking about before. So, when yeah. you die, you escape, right? That's the thing right. that we talk about when yeah. we're screenwriting or watching things, yeah. right? You die, and you're like, ah, oh, it's awful, but then you're done. You're free, right? Uh, yeah. But he's never free. He's stuck as a yeah. horrible... Dis- and he clearly feels that he's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. seems awful. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if you ever saw the uh, original Fly movie, stuff like that, when the cat was transported, and you just had this ghostly, <laughs> going through things, and you just felt this thing's moving through eternity and horror and despair, you know? It's yeah. sort of like the same sort of, uh, you know, uh, feeling. So, anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that that's uh, that sort of won me over there. That and when he was being drawn into that giant vortex inside, once again, yes. like the, the outer dark with the elder <laughs> gods, but only it's you know uh, you know technological worlds thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. good good use of uh, of that <laughs> one. And once once again, the way that the way that it uh, had that dreamlike effect. Yeah, with it with yeah, the, it's uh, so style, surreal style right? animation. And it's I. Um, can we talk briefly about uh, how Job's hair has a circular <laughs> evolution? <laughs> Where at the beginning he has, he has, it's again, it's like dumb yes, dumber oh, hair. Yes, he has that yes. super crazy hair. And then yeah. he starts to get smart and it gets super slicked back and it looks yeah. disgusting. Um, but then when he gets super smart and puts on his Tron suit, it gets crazy again? Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? I, it feels like a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like it's like a Nautilus pattern. Maybe their the, stylist quit halfway through the film. The slick back hair, the slick back hair, is part of one of my very favorite parts of the movie, though. Yeah. Which is after Jake punches out uh, Job yeah, yes. at the gas station, and Job is on the ground, and he yeah, like yes. lifts himself yes, up and turns around it. and gives a fucking blue steel of death. Yes. He's one hundred percent Zoolander in that moment, and he the is. hair is all a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's angry Zoolander. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. There's um this is just a a thing I love. I could talk about things I love forever. Um my cats. I uh there's <laughs> when Pierce Brosnan 
takes him into the knot shop and sits him down in that machine with <laughs> with a chair that moves itself across the floor for no reason. It's a, a tracked chair. Uh, those machines that are teaching him things, they teach him lessons and then they just spit CDs onto the floor. And those CDs sit on the floor for the rest of the movie. No one, no one bothers to pick them up. Near the end, there's a shot top down and he's sitting in a chair just surrounded by piles of CDs. Was it just in 1992, did CDs seem like a cool... Were they like, ooh, these are edgy. Nobody knows what they are. That or the producer just didn't understand it and they figured once you used them they, they were used up. So yeah, they're they done. Just, just yeah. kicked them out. <laughs> He's eating all the information off that. Yeah, yeah all the information is off of those now. <laughs> um, uh, is, is the sound in the director's cut as weird as it is in the theatrical cut because the sound oh, yeah. in our version was bonkers. Yeah, I thought the I Foley mean, artist had gone weird on us or something. I don't know. Like in a way that was out of keeping with everything yeah. else that was yeah, happening? Yeah, the footstep, different thing, different Not tones. necessarily that was out of keeping with how strange the movie was, but just yeah. in a way where it I couldn't tell if it was yeah. a deliberate choice I or if it. they just like didn't know how to do a sound mix. I because everybody, even when they that. weren't dubbed, seemed yeah. dubbed. Oh, uh, and like the mix was always really weird. Yeah. In terms of levels, when now when so they go the into virtual reality, me, the murky yeah. sound mix works perfectly because yes. you hear all of these voices like in the background of like a choir, feel <laughs> complete. <laughs> but the whole movie kind of sounds a little bit like that, and it's disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah. You now it was intentional or not? That. That's the whole thing. I don't so, know. Yeah. I just couldn't tell. Maybe in the director's cut it's different, and that's oh, know, yeah. maybe they yeah maybe they it. maybe they, yeah, they unmixed the it, sound yeah. to recut it, and then just never bothered to. But it was very it very the evident. Uh, maybe it's just what we were watching. You know, well, because there's definitely places in the theatrical cut, like I mentioned yeah. before, where they have to ADR stuff in because of sure. stuff that's cut out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> there is. The, I thought this is just another. It's a fully sidestep, but also sound related. There's one scene. There's a, there's like the scene where Job is driving with a kid and he listens to eight seconds of four different cassette tapes, right? And that's the only time anyone <laughs> yes. listens to music in the whole movie, except for one scene where he's sitting in that giant learning room and just blasting <laughs> some kind of rock, only so that Pierce Brosnan can walk up behind him and he wouldn't hear him, so he can turn around and have known psychically. <laughs> I thought that was. Really... I don't know if we had that scene either. Oh, is it? Oh, it's it's a really certain. inane, tiny moment. Yeah. Also, in our version, he's listening to CDs and throwing them on the floor of his truck, which tracks with the treatment of CDs throughout the movie. Oh, maybe he does do that. Maybe that's what he does. I only remember him listening to something in a in a boombox that's on the yeah yeah that's on yeah yeah. yeah. I just listened to him in little spurts anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I showed up in that other weird. Um, I did come into this with a chip on my shoulder, mad that this movie wasn't starring Matt Frewer. Because I thought all the movies started Matt Frewer, but Jeff Fahey totally pulled it out. He does a good job. He he completely. He completely won me over, even though I was already mad at him. Can I make Can I make a Matt Frewer recommendation? Um, I had yes. forgotten until recently that he's the next door neighbor in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Totally worth it. Oh, totally worth a rewatch. Oh, that movie way weirder than I remembered it. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, but, we did. We talked, Brian Usna, right? Yeah, we talked in a regular episode. Actually, did we talk about that? Okay. But I don't think it ever got. I think it's still in our in our bits folder. Well, great. We we'll have come like back a whole someday. a whole long <laughs> thing where we where we talk about the genesis of a Honey I Shrunk the yeah, Kids because yeah, yeah. it's so strange and yeah. all the alternate titles it had that were weird. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Um, um, there's a really delightful scene when Pierce Brosnan is running. Oh, it's just after he starts to rent a car. Did you have that scene? Where he's running out of a hotel after having... Oh, my God. He has that insane meeting in the shop where mm-hmm. the main the main guy at the shop is just on the phone ignoring him and then oh, whispers yes. things yeah, to his right. assistant yeah. to yeah. say to Pierce <laughs> yeah. Brosnan instead of interact. Because he will only interact through a screen, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then he goes back to his hotel room and punches uh, Tim's in the face and then runs down and people are chasing him and he starts to rent a car, but can't, it's going to take too long. So he... Uh, goes down a hallway and a man comes up to him and says i'm shop dr angelo you're gonna have to come with me i wrote that down because i thought it was funny yeah. um i'm yeah. shop it's very <laughs> <laughs> um and the guy he he like gives the guy's uzi to just a champagne waiter yeah. and makes yeah. him hold the yeah, gun cover on him. him and the guy's yeah, like oh, okay he just stands there <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the only thing we didn't have in there was him starting to rent a car. Yeah, I think they skipped oh. that. In, yeah, because uh, it's... In our, he, was, he was going through the uh, lobby and the maitre d' or whatever she calls out, yeah. uh, oh, you forgot your messages. Oh, yeah. That's, and it's then the that's car when, that's when the chase starts and he goes down and has the... the, yeah. the oh, yeah. No, she's the, I thought she was the hotel clerk. Hotel clerk, yeah, right. In, Sorry. Yep. In the longer version, she's at a separate little car rental desk and he spends oh. a good 30 seconds... Being like, hey, do you have any cars? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, can you oh, check? Yeah. And she's like, tick a tick a tick. You mean tick. they put that back oh, in? Oh yeah, it's in the one that I saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very long. Sounds like a good cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I, for the most part, am very supportive of not of theatrical cuts over director's cuts. Yeah, <laughs> like ninety yeah. percent of the time, they're the correct thing. But I do I, feel like in this movie, there was nothing that I was sad was there. <laughs> that might be the only moment where I was like, yeah, this could be trimmed down. Yeah, I will say that when we went through the director's cut on YouTube, I didn't yeah. light on any scenes where I was like, I wish that had been there. That's fair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but also, if I didn't know that it wasn't supposed to be there, I don't think I would have minded. Because it was all stuff like the angry priest growling some more yeah, at, yeah. you know, Fahey for reading a book on math. Right. Like, this is the oh, devil's yeah. work. Yeah, and then the, his his even more Irish brother is like, yeah. give him a chance. He's a man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, that guy too. When when Fahey needs to go to that building at the end, and he like psychically calls that guy, and he wakes up because he's been sleeping in his truck. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he just wakes up he's and he's like, "Oh, sure thing." Character. I <laughs> love that guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the great Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah, I want to uh, watch a scene with a him. Ton of stuff. And the cop that says, birdbath. I want to watch those yes. two guys. <laughs> Just this town before any of this happens. Okay. Yeah, that whole hanging scene. Out. It, could, it could even be like um, my dinner with Andre. It could just be those two dudes in the diner. Yes, yes, please. One of them, one of them gets one, a, a burger. I don't know. Yes. Um, I do feel like this movie is in some ways a sequel to the real world, or a prequel to the real world, because he... It's, so the lawnmower man, the titular man, starts as, as this sort of intellectually and emotionally stunted ch- child-brained adult man, and then gets smart, he gets made very smart, but never emotionally crests past, I would say, 14 years old. Um, and then he just synthesizes at the end of the movie, he becomes the internet, and I feel like I feel like the internet is an emotionally 14-year-old smart white guy. Very good insight. Culture. Like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that seems correct. Yeah. So I think maybe it's real. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So, oh. so you're saying Jim the Lawnmower Man is in your head now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
or forever. Yeah, yeah. I saw the movie when it first came out years ago. And the only thing I remember <laughs> is the end part where all the phones ring. And I don't, yeah, I don't remember anything else about that film from when I saw it when it came out. Just, you didn't. You didn't remember him turning into a digital sex monster no. in, a, in a in a lake. <laughs> That scene is pretty phenomenal. I had, yeah. yeah, I had nothing on that. That or either I turned it on at the end I know of the film. What you I know what <laughs> So good. Yeah. So oh, any, everything that's animated in this film. There's a bunch of yes. sequences where it, we're going through a weird animated thing, and then it keeps cutting back to them spinning around in their gyroscopes, mm-hmm. and I was always mad. Yes. I was like, no, <laughs> you stay in that animation. I wasn't mad because I love all those shots, too. Yeah, yeah no, like, that's great. kind of what I just wanted the movie to be, and I would actually like to just go back and recut uh, so it's just only animation and them spinning yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, and like just back that. and forth. That sounds like a great movie. Yeah, and then um, all the I do love that he sort of threatens this. He's going to become the internet, and then all the phones are going to ring because yeah. clearly they were like they just didn't have. It's 1992, and yes. they didn't know a better way to show that someone was in. Yeah, my birth the cry. Network. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then the movie just ends with that shot of a bunch of phones ringing, and it's yes. so visually and auditorily anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing else happens. You you don't even cut back to Pierce Brosnan being like, dagnab it! It's just done. Yep. On to Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War. Wait, is that real? I think so. Oh, no. There's like three of them, at least. Really? Yeah. That's, well, where Matt, that's why I thought Matt Frewer was in it, because he's the lawnmower man in future movies. What? Wow. Yeah. Jason, I'm skipping our next two movies and watching Lawnmower Man's 2 and 3. <laughs> this has just become a, a Children of the Corn, Lawnmower Man, and Genie podcast. <laughs> yes. You can watch the, the Tommy Knockers without me. Okay. Uh. <laughs> uh, the Nami Talkers. They talk with yeah. their mouths full. It's horrifying. Um, all right, we should we should wrap this up soon. Uh, but I do have a couple of other questions for you. Great. Yeah. Okay. I've said um, everything I need to say. Just just running through my notes real quick. Since her husband died, threatening glam stare, bird bath. Well, you write your notes on paper. No, that's a fun no, no, no. Normally I do, but this is I was I didn't have it to in my hands. He was um, walking in the dark. Oh yeah, they're injecting him with nootropics. Isn't that a thing that right wing hucksters sell? Like, doesn't Alex Jones have a line of nootropics? I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. What? I nootropics. I had to look it up when he said that because I was like, I've heard that word, but I looked it up and it's just sort of a general catch-all term for drugs that make your brain work better. Oh, okay. So, uh, I didn't do any research. I just heard that and I was like, I think that's yes, what Alex Jones Alex sells. Jones sells that. Yeah, I mean, he also <laughs> sells things to protect your testosterone against radiation. But Yeah, that's true. I'm sure, I'm sure some of the things he sells are neutrons. Uh, yeah. So that, that <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah oh, because in the current world, you're like, oh. <laughs> he's, uh, he's crazy. Oh, people do an amazing amount of talking to themselves in this movie. I mean, it's uh, mostly Brosnan, right? Just talking to it's his also, empty basement. Well, but it's also, I mean, just like in idle moments, like it's emblematized to me by the priest running up to Job's room and the entire time he's just monologuing to himself about like the things he's thinking about and what's going to happen. And I feel like that happens multiple times in the movie. Have we ever talked about, Jason, one of the things that I've always loved about uh, Fleischer Brothers Popeye cartoons is how most of the time anyone who's on screen is mumbling. Yes. Um, Yes. I... And I've always wanted to make a movie where that was just true. Just everyone you see, you also hear them all the time. Uh, and it, it's true. This movie sort of does that. I they're mean, it's like, sort of like, well, makes... you can't just walk silently through a hallway. 
Yeah. And you sort of why it makes perfect sense play. that Altman was the one who made uh, the live action Popeye movie. Yeah, of course. But he didn't even <laughs> do it as much as the Fleischer brothers do. We just no. we just watched one the other day yeah, because yeah. Uh, it was on TV. Sure. And I was like, I'm going to show Gus's first cartoon. You don't need an excuse. Gus, watch this Popeye cartoon. Well, yeah. no, normally I take cartoons <laughs> off because I don't want him getting addicted to them. But I was like, okay, oh, it's sure. Popeye. Gus, right. we're going to watch Popeye. And yeah. he was absolutely absorbed by it. But yeah, the whole time, everybody, and especially Popeye, is just, yeah. what, what, what am I going to do? I'm doing this over here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he'll be like yeah. walking on one side and mumbling, and yeah. then Blue absolutely. will come on the other side and be like, yeah. yeah. I love it. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, all the asides afterwards. And so, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. My last question is, since you watched the director's cut, I can actually ask you this. We mm. noticed towards the end of the movie when the um, the mom and Petey drive Pierce Brosnan to the knot shop, that yeah. when she pulls up, there are inexplicably huge gashes in the side of her car. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I, was yeah. that, did something happen to the director's cut? I remember seeing that and trying to remember what had happened to the car, but I felt like it made sense. But I do not remember why. Because definitely in the, in the theatrical cut, there is yeah. no indication whatsoever what yeah, might have happened. It just to the car. drives up, and the car is total on the side. Yeah, I feel like it made sense when I watched it, but I don't remember why. I feel like it, <laughs> I feel like something happened to that car forty five minutes earlier, and yeah. I just accepted it. But I could have just been making that excuse in my head because I didn't want to re-examine. I mean, either way, it might have actually <laughs> happened. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- this movie... I don't have an answer for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the mantra of this movie. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I, I can't do officially eat thing... crow, Jim. Oh, yeah. This movie was great. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we glad watched it. it. I'll eat, I'll yeah. eat just enough crow to say that I believe you that it's not based on Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen it other not, Stephen King it things. It's not based now. on Stephen King. <laughs> Are you going to read well, in a minute, I'm yeah. going to read us a passage. I don't know where it's going to drop in, but I'm going to read. But I am glad that you what happens it. in the actual Lawnmower Man. <laughs> it is very good. I, the one thing that bums me out about it is that when Job starts getting smart, he gives up comic books, which feels oh, like a statement yes. that I do not stand. Oh, behind. we we commented on that. Yeah, when it happened. <laughs> yes, that's a very yeah. st- that was a very standard. People forget yeah. now that Marvel runs the world via Disney. Sure. Uh, but that was right. like a really standard movie trope throughout, yeah. especially the 90s. Yes. Right. Um, but like into the 2000s and bleeding back into the 80s. I remember in that Spielberg Where it's movie. Like a, with a step of maturity is to move past comic books. Yeah, or it's just exactly. a really easy shorthand for saying someone's dumb or someone's yeah. right. childish. Like, right. Sure. It was what I, what was the um, the Spielberg movie with the uh, Tom Hanks is chasing Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe? Uh, Catch, Catch me, me if you can. can. Catch me if you can. Yeah. There's this big scene in there where um, I think one of the names that Leonardo DiCaprio uses is like Johnny mm-hmm. Storm or something like sure. that. It's like something from a comic. And yeah. when Tom Hanks, like, he finds out that he used a comic book name, and yeah. that's how he puts it together. It's like, a comic book? He's a kid. Let's get him. Whoa. Like, that's how, yes. that was like the, the shorthand move. So, and that's, that's from really Spielberg. I, you know, I tried to watch that movie, but I accidentally went into a theater where they were playing Catch Me in the Can, oh. which is just, it's just a guy pooping for 90 minutes. <laughs> it's not a good movie at all. Um, do you have anything else for this uh, movie? No. I mean, I'm glad that I made you watch it. 
And uh, I'm glad I watched it again. And I think that our audience should all watch it when they're not watching a bunch of Stephen King movies. Yeah, say I'm, I'm I'm glad that I sat down and watched it again, even though <laughs> I couldn't remember anything except the last scene of the film from the time I watched it the first time. <laughs> Which a nice thing is sometimes if you know the last scene, you know everything that's going to happen yeah. in between. But in this movie, no, it didn't really matter. There's no way to put together the middle from the beginning and the end. Yeah. Plus, you have no idea what it meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, I we we I could easily <laughs> talk about this movie for ages because it was so bonkers and there's so yes. much in it. But yes, uh, we're 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 reaching a, a reasonable amount of time for a podcast length. Um, Dad, yes, Jim, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Jim, it yeah, was a pleasure. You. It was so nice to have you, Jim. Yeah. It was good to be had. <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate to London. You have been had. I like it when my parents can come by and see what I've chosen to do with my life. special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak and Grungly Jim. Hell to the King is recorded before a live studio audience in an abandoned theater in a small town that isn't on any maps anymore. Pierce Brosnan recording a sweaty shirtless monologue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>